Welcome to Nationwide Market Insights for March 8, 2023. The good and the bad of a tight labor market. With high service costs keeping inflation elevated, the exceptionally tight labor market will be a key swing factor for the Fed this year. Demand for workers continues to run at a fever pitch, despite much higher borrowing costs for businesses and rising concerns for a recession. This is Brian Kirk, and I'm joined today by Nationwide's Deputy Chief Economist, Brian Jordan, and Senior Economist, Ben Ayers, to discuss our thoughts on the path forward for the labor market and the impact on recession prospects for the economy. Brian, let's kick things off with you. We saw huge job gains in January, and weekly jobless claims continue to be very low. In fact, the unemployment rate dropped to a 50-year low all showing a continued tight market for workers. Brian, this seems like great news for workers, especially in light of the Fed's rate hikes. Are you seeing any signs that labor conditions are starting to cool off in response to these sharp rate hikes? We are seeing some signs. You, you wouldn't know it by looking at the headlines. And of course, the labor market is still very tight. It's still very, very strong. We've had booming job growth in recent months, very low levels of unemployment claims. The labor market is still quite strong, but at the margin, there has been some cooling. Layoff announcements are up. They're actually up quite a bit, up over 400% over the past year. Jobless claims still very, very low, but they're up a little bit from where they were when they bottomed last spring, up about 20,000, a little bit over 20,000 on a four-week moving, moving average basis. Even job growth, as strong as job growth has been, in recent months, punctuated by that increase of 517,000 in January, the three-month moving average is a bit weaker than the three-month moving average a year ago. Over the last three months, job growth has averaged around 356,000 per month. A year ago, that number was 516,000, so a slowdown in job growth. And just before we recorded this, less than two hours before we recorded um, this podcast, we received the job openings numbers for January, still very high, nearly 11 million job openings in the US, but that number is down by over a million from its peak last year. So still a very tight labor market, still a very strong labor market, but at the margin, it is beginning to cool a bit. Hey, thanks, Brian. Ben, let's turn to you. Are there any differences across the sectors when it comes to hiring trends? I mean, which industries continue to demand the most workers? And has the need for workers softened anywhere? Yeah, we are seeing some differences across the sectors. As Brian mentioned and laid out, we we are seeing some cooling. And it's not surprising that the areas that are cooling the most are some of the sectors that have seen some cutbacks in activity. You think housing, um, we've seen some poor numbers from the manufacturing sector. You know, we are seeing that consumer discretionary general has, has cut back as consumers are starting to pull back a little bit on their spending, particularly on goods, um, not as much on services, but particularly on goods. Brian did mention we've heard a lot about layoffs in the news, even just this week, saw announced cuts from both Microsoft and Meta. But most of this has been focused on the tech sector, not surprising given the run-up in interest rates 
over the past year. That's a sector that is starting to look at areas to cut costs. We have also heard a little bit from warehousing. You mentioned some layoffs from Amazon are likely coming over the next three to six months as well. But really, these are sectors that had a strong run up in hiring over the past couple of years. So maybe this is just a little bit of a right sizing for some of these sectors in response to some worries that maybe a recession is on the way. Uh, and with jobless claims remaining so low, it does seem like most of these workers are finding new employment very quickly and not remaining out on the open market very long. Um, there is less talk, though, I think still about some of the areas that are showing continued strong demand for workers, and much of this is focused on the service sector. Uh, yet again, we've seen that service spending has remained quite robust, and because of that, we are seeing still a pretty strong demand for workers across the service sector, particularly in some sectors that were hardest hit by COVID. Now, you're looking at healthcare, restaurants, leisure and hospitality. Um, these are sectors that were really hit very hard particularly from a job front over the course of COVID. And in some cases, they're not even quite back up to the pre-COVID job peak. And so as they're still seeing some pretty good demand, they're trying to bring in workers and really have continued to have a lot of trouble filling many of those openings that are still open maybe from a year or two ago. Uh, it's not surprising that these are two of the sectors, again, talking about healthcare and restaurants, that still have some of the very high numbers of job openings. They did come down a little bit in the numbers that we got for January, but still very elevated levels, keeping overall job openings very high. Actually, about 80% of the number of job openings in January were in the service sector. And so we continue to see very tight conditions in the service sector, a lot of strong need for workers there. And still, there's not that many workers out there. We still have almost two to one job openings to unemployed workers, you know, still telling us very tight conditions across the board. And within the sectors, it's tightest within the service sector broadly. Even in sectors where growth is really slowing and starting to wane, when you think about maybe manufacturing, most of the firms there are still holding on to their workers. They're not letting them go in the current tight environment, just in case maybe they see a, a uptick in activity maybe over the rest of the year. So we're likely to see further reductions in new hires, but we haven't really seen much I mean, the reductions in the actual staffs, particularly within across the manufacturing sector. So yet again, some easing across the board, fitting that theme that Brian laid out, but nothing you know extraordinary and still seeing pretty tight labor conditions across most of the sectors in the economy. Thanks, Ben. I know earlier we talked about that surprisingly strong employment report from January. Uh, this week we see February's report too. Brian, what are we watching for in this week's release? You know, depending on how the data comes in, how much could we shift our expectations for job gains over the rest of the year? So we'll, we'll be watching this report very closely. We watch all of the employment reports very closely, of course. It's the most important of, of all the monthly indicators. It's extremely timely. It's extremely comprehensive. This particular report, though, for February will be, will be even more closely watched and more important than uh, a typical run-of-the-mill jobs report. And that's because Jerome Powell has hinted that the Fed might decide to raise rates more aggressively at the March FOMC meeting if the data warrant. In other words, bumping up the pace of rate hikes again um, to 50 basis points after raising rates at 20, by 25 basis points at the last FOMC meeting. And uh, clearly the jobs report is going to be an important determining factor in that decision. So we'll be watching obviously the overall level of job growth. We'll be uh, looking for the breadth of job growth. It's not just that employment has been strong, 
in recent months. It's been very broad uh, with most industries adding workers. We'll also, of course, want to look very closely at those average hourly earnings numbers. The Fed, of course, is very concerned about wage growth and what wage growth might mean for inflation. Wage growth has slowed down. We're now at 4.4% on a year-over-year basis, uh, but the labor market is still very tight, as we've been discussing, and there is some risk to the upside here as we go forward, given the low level of unemployment, uh, the low level of jobless claims, and the very strong rate of job growth. So that number is very important as well. And then the work week. We had a big lift in the work week in January. Is that going to be sustained? Will that be sustained? Was that sustained in February? That will be closely watched as as well. If we were to see a strong number here, another strong number on the heels of a big number in in, in January, an increase of 517,000, that might suggest that, yes, we're seeing a reacceleration, not just in the labor market, but in the economy more broadly. We've had a number of indicators, not just in the labor market, uh, a number of indicators suggesting that as the calendar turned from 2022 to 2023, the economy picked up some steam. If we see another strong report here on Friday, that would corroborate uh, some of those some of those indicators and suggest that, yeah, maybe the economy is, is reaccelerating. It's not a one off. It's it wasn't a, uh, a fluke given seasonal factors or weather or other issues. If we were to see a weaker number, um, something more in line with what we saw in November and December, not quite as robust as in January, that would fit into the narrative that the labor market is easing, easing slowly, easing at the margin, easing still at a very, very high level, still at a robust, very tight level, but it is easing. So a very key report coming this Friday. Thanks, Brian. Ben, we heard Brian talk about wage gains what do you think? What what can we expect from wage gains in the coming months? And how does that impact our inflation forecast? Yeah, great setup there by Brian. You know, as he mentioned, despite the very tight labor conditions, we've actually seen wage gains have slowed a little bit, particularly over the past three to six months. You mentioned average hourly earnings up 4.4% on a year-over-year basis in January, but this is down from a peak of 5.9% last March. When you look at the employment cost index, that was still up 5.1% at the end of 2022, but it really leveled off over the course of 20 over the year. And then Atlanta Fed wage growth tracker that peaked last June and has really dropped sharply through January. So there are some signs that wages are cooling a little bit, but importantly, all of these are still well above average. You know, average wage growth is more like three, uh, maybe even three and a half percent. And so all of these are still much higher than average, even though they're coming down from some of the peaks that we had earlier last year. And while we expect that trend to likely continue over the course of 2022, um, you mentioned labor demand still very strong, uh, and that's likely to keep those wage gains from slowing much. And so maybe by the end of the year, we're just a little bit above average or maybe right about average, um, but that still means there's a lot of extra pressure from services and from wages on inflation readings as we look over the course of 2023. You know, eventually we'll see the labor market turn, we'll see slower gains and maybe some job losses as we look towards the end of the year. That certainly will help to cool those wage gains further. But yet again, we're starting at such a high level, it's still it's going to continue to put a lot of pressure on the inflation over the course of the year. You know, core CPI, less housing was still up 6.1% in January. It's only a little bit below the recent peak 
uh, and this so by far above the two percent pace that the Fed would like. So we're again we're moving in the right direction, but this is going to be sticky. And because of that, we're expecting that inflation will remain higher over the course of 2023, led by the services side of the inflation story. So we think by the end of the year, maybe we're about four percent on a year-over-year basis for the overall CPI, right about that same level for the core CPI. But yet again, that's still far above the 2% pace that the Fed would like. And that does have big implications for where we think the Fed's going to go. The means are likely to keep those interest rates, you know, Brian mentioned probably pushing it up higher in the near term, and then likely keeping it at those higher levels over the course of this year and into 2024. And that may delay the recovery. It may delay the bounce back in the economy until the Fed is really sure that inflation is going to be coming down closer to the trends they want to see. Uh, and while great for workers, again, the hot labor market right now isn't helping. And it's keeping those inflation readings higher and obviously pushing out those expectations for when we might see some stronger growth after a potential downturn in the second half or early stages of 2024. Yeah, thanks, Ben. I know our audience can be really interested in hearing from both of you on this this next question. As we potentially trend toward the recession, what are the key labor indicators that you're each watching? Brian, let's start with you. What are the key indicators that you're watching to see if the economy is turning over? Yeah, great question. I think the, the most important indicator by far is jobless claims. So we've already had the increase, as we mentioned earlier, in layoff announcements. The next step in the process should be an increase in unemployment claims, that some of those layoffs are going to be sustained and we're going to see jobless claims ticking up. Typically, in advance of recessions, we see initial unemployment claims, the four-week moving average of initial unemployment claims, moving up by 50,000 to 75,000, somewhere in in that range. Right now, we're up a little bit over 20,000 from the bottom in April of, of last year. So there's still some, some way to go. And typically, as we get closer to a recession, these increases start to accelerate. Now, we start to see a more decided move to, to the upside. So for me, that's overwhelmingly the indicator um, that I'm watching in terms of how the labor market might be flagging a recession. If we see a, uh, start to see a bigger increase in, in claims, which, again, recently we have not seen, that would be a sign that a downturn may be coming, and then eventually job losses would would follow. Yeah, I completely agree with you, Brian. There, I, I think the jobless claims are the one of the best leading indicators of, of where we're going from a labor market perspective. I'll just add on to that: the the BLS gives us a treasure trove of of data on the labor market every month. So each month, we obviously we're watching the work week. Are people cutting back on the number of hours that they're working? That's an early sign that businesses are moving towards maybe some layoffs down the road. You know, we do get workers that are are working part-time for economic reasons. We get that update each month. That's a sign to us that, you know, there's more workers that are shifting from full-time to part-time because that's what their companies be asking them to do. It's it will keep you employed. We're going to give you less hours. We're going to work you less. That means less income and less overall spending for the economy. And typically you do see an uptick in temporary help services as, as we see that some of that activity is moving around as well. So these are readings that would show sign across the business sector that might not show up in the headline unemployment readings because many people would still have jobs, um, but they're working less. They're moving down that line from full-time to part-time to unfortunately maybe no job at all. Uh, and would tell us that unfortunately business is starting to cut back. We're gonna see more job losses in the future and likely telling us that we're flagging a recession across the board. 
Thanks, Ben. I want to thank you both for a great rundown of all the different factors that we're watching within the labor market right now. It's been very insightful. Please join us next week for our review of the February CPI report, which should heavily influence the upcoming FOMC meeting in mid-March. In fact, we're going to do a podcast on our reaction to that upcoming meeting as well. Hit that subscribe button so you can be notified when each new episode is released. Until next time, for our Nationwide Market Insights, this is Brian Kirk. The information provided by Nationwide Economics is general in nature and not intended as investment or economic advice or a recommendation to buy or sell any security or adopt any investment strategy. Additionally, it does not take into account any specific investment objectives, tax, or financial condition, or particular needs of any specific person. The economic and market forecasts reflect our opinion as of the date of this report and are subject to change without notice. These forecasts show a broad range of possible outcomes. Because they are subject to high levels of uncertainty, they will not reflect actual performance. We obtain certain information from sources deemed reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, completeness, or fairness. Nationwide and the Nationwide Inn and Eagle are service marks of the Nationwide Mutual Insurance Company. Copyright 2023, Nationwide.